Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. What's up, Inspire Church? I'm so excited and honored uh, to be able to bring the word to you guys today. I miss you guys so much. I miss our combined prayer nights that that uh, that uh, we used to have, and look forward to having them again sometime in the future. Um, I hope you all are are staying safe, staying healthy, and growing, growing closer to God during this time. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Phil, Pastor Roger, for reaching out and. Uh, Gave me the opportunity to, to, to share with you guys today. It is special. It is truly special. I am so honored, so blessed to be here today to share with you guys. Um, you know, one thing that I believe has always been there, but it's been highlighted uh, more than ever probably in our lifetime, is that change needs to happen. Change needs to happen. And I think that's something that we don't need to debate over. I think we all know that change needs to take place. And that change needs to take place in many, many areas, right? It does. But you know what? The first place that change needs to take place is inside of you and inside of me. The first place that change needs to take place at is inside the church, that's where it needs to happen at first. You see, we're always meant to change, you know? The word doesn't change. The gospel message never changes, but we are meant to change. We are meant to grow as believers. We are meant to mature. We are meant to, to, uh, to uh, grow closer to God, right? Scripture tells us that although our outer man is wasting away, our inner man is being renewed day by day. So we're meant to change. All right. And now, how do we get there? If, if we can agree that we all need to change, we all need to get better, we all need to grow in the Lord, how do we get there? Well, there's many things that need to take place. But one thing that I want to focus on today is that in order for us to get to a place where we are changing for the better, changing the way that God wants us to change, is being healed from our past. Healing, a healed past, will lead us to a changed future. And that's what I want to focus on today. I want to focus on the healing from our past that we all need, and we all need it to some degree. You might be sitting there today, and there may be a lot from your past that you feel like you need healing from in order to be that new creation that God wants us to be. We all have mistakes, we all have sin, we all have failure. But what I want to talk about today is that no matter what degree of failure, no matter what degree of sin your past mistakes have been, is that that does not have to define who you are today or who God wants you to be tomorrow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We come to you right now saying that we need you, God. We realize that so much needs to change in our society today, Lord. But where it first needs to happen at is inside of us, especially inside the church. So I ask God that you would just reveal to us today what needs to change, how it needs to be changed, what needs to be healed so that we can truly move forward as new creations, living the life, being the people, being the church that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
I came across an article in Relevant Magazine not too long ago, and it has some very good points on how some of us can deal with our past. And there's a couple problems that it pointed out on how we can deal with our past sometimes. The first one is this. We can choose to live in the past. Now, some of us may choose to live in the past for a couple different reasons. The first reason could be because of trauma that we experienced. Another reason could be because of squandered opportunities, right? Thinking of, man, if I only did this or did that, then I could have gotten that job or been in that relationship. And you see, the problem, though, with living in the past is that if we live in the past, then we're going to struggle to live in the present. If we choose to live in the past, we're going to struggle to live in the present. You see, it's hard to be content with, with what is when we are fixated on what was, right? Some of us may choose to live in the past because we're overly nostalgic of the past, right? If you've seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite and you know the character uh, Uncle Nico, you might choose to be that, you know, 45-year-old uncle that still tells a story today of, oh, if Coach would have put me in in, in uh, the fourth quarter, then, then uh, we would have been state champions. So you're telling that story for the millionth time, right? So some of us may choose to live in the past because we're so nostalgic, wishing for what was, the second problem that, that uh, this article pointed out with how we can, you know, deal with our past sometimes is that we can also choose to neglect our past. And some of us may choose to neglect our past because it's a coping mechanism that we use today. It's a coping mechanism to avoid the pain, the embarrassment, to avoid the shame of our past. And the problem, though, with neglecting our past is that when we forget our past, well, then we are prone to repeat it. The same mistakes, and we're going to fall into the same traps again and again. And like Scripture so eloquently uh, details for us in Proverbs 26, 11, it says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. I always love that Scripture because it is just a nasty, very graphic detail of what we can do if we choose to just sweep things under the rug. We're just going to go right back to it. So no matter where you may feel like you fall today when it comes to how you choose to deal with your past, I want you to know that there is good news. I want you to know right away that there is good news, and it's this. God already knows. God already knows your past. He already knows what you did. He he. He uh, knows what you're currently doing right now. He knows what you're going to do in the future. And here's the beautiful thing about that, because that might seem scary, right? Like, oh, man, I can't hide from God. He knows. Here's the beautiful thing about that and why this is good news. You see, God saw that mankind needed to change, but they couldn't do it. He saw that mankind needed to change, but that they would never be able to live up to this law by themselves. And so the famous verse of John 3.16, God so loved the world, he so loved you, he so saw that the world needed to change, but they can't do it, they're going to fall short. He said, I'm going to send my son Jesus to die for their sins. 
so that all they gotta do is not work and work and then do this right, do that right, but believe in my son Jesus. And then guess what? Healing's gonna come. Restoration's gonna come. Renewal's gonna come. Change can come. That's the good news of the gospel. The main passage that I wanna look at today there's a great story in the Old Testament that I feel like is going to paint a really good picture for us today on how we do not have to let our past define who we are. So if you want to turn things to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 13, we're going to start at verse 1. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. This son that this passage is talking about is Samson. Now here's some details, some information about what it means to be a Nazarite. If you want the full detailed version of this, you can do your own homework and, and, and look at Numbers chapter 6, uh, 1 through 21, and it gives a full detailed version of what it means to be a Nazarite. But here's a brief description of what it means. When under this Nazarite vow, people are regarding themselves as specially devoted to God, leaving their hair uncut, drinking no wine, eating no great products, and avoiding any contact with anything dead. Now, there wasn't anything unusual of someone, anyone, choosing to take a Nazarite vow. In fact, um, a Nazarite vow would, would normally last anywhere from 30 to 100 days. And some scholars believe that Paul did this a couple times in the book of Acts. Now, what was unusual or unique about Samson's uh, Nazarite vow was that it was from birth. Now, some scholars believe that the only ones in Scripture to, to take this vow from birth was Samuel and John the Baptist. Now, that's just some background uh, information for us as we go forward. Let's go back to Scripture here. Let's look at Judges chapter 13, starting at verse 24. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtaol. Samson is going to go on to have this famously supernatural strength. Now, in some of our minds, when we think of Samson, we might think that he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger or that he looks like the Hulk. I mean, he's just this bodybuilder of a guy. But most likely, that wasn't the case. 
And we can come to that conclusion because scripture is going to tell us that the enemies could not figure out where Samson's strength came from. So if he had 30-inch biceps, well, then they can figure out, well, yeah, that's where his strength comes from. This guy's huge. But they could not figure out where his strength came from. But scripture is going to tell us in verse 25 where Samson got his famously strong strength, right? And it was this, the spirit of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord was Samson's famously uh, just these, these feats of strength that he would perform. And you know that same spirit of the Lord? That is our strength today. Now, that'd be really cool if God blessed us to perform the same things that Samson did, right? But that's not the case. But what we get to have is even better. What we get to have, when the spirit of the Lord would rush upon Samson, he would perform some great feat of strength. When we live a life with the spirit of the Lord, we can overcome sin. We can overcome temptation. When we are filled with the spirit of the Lord, we can be that spouse we never thought we could be. We can be that parent we never thought we can be, that employee, that friend, you name it. With the spirit of the Lord, that is our strength. That is our strength. So a couple examples of Samson's feet of strength. One time, he's going to tear a lion apart with his bare hands. A second time, he's going to find a jawbone of a donkey and strike down a thousand men with it. And a third time, he's going to tear the gates of a city with a post in it and all and carry it to the top of the hill. But just like all of us, Samson had some weaknesses and allowed sin to creep into his life and slowly take control of who he was. Samson, at one point, is going to go visit a prostitute. And then eventually, he's going to fall in love with a Philistine woman named Delilah. And at that point, you might be thinking, man, Samson, what, what happened to your Nazarite vow, man? But you see, this is where we can all relate to Samson. Some of us, we can tend to honor God with some parts of our life, but not with all of our life. Some of us, we feel like we can put our lives in categories and say, God, you can have this category of my life, but I'm going to keep this category to myself. Some of us might say, you know, God cares about what I do on Sundays, but not so much what I do, what I watch, where I go during the week. You know, finally, Samson's going to come to a point where because he's honoring God with some of his Nazarite vow, but not all of his Nazarite vow, his result is going to be defeat. And it's the same story for you and me. When we choose to give God some of our life, but not all of our life, it will always end in defeat. Romans 6.23 tells us this, that the wages of sin is death. Uh, next week, my wife and I are going to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary, praise God. And, um, but prior to us getting married, this was my story. I chose to give my girlfriend then some parts of my life, but hide others' parts of my life. And this isn't even what I want to talk about today, but if I can just give some free chicken that the military likes to say, if, if uh, I can just give you some free chicken right now, it's this. 
that what is done in the dark will always be brought to the light. I was living halfway across the country, long distance relationship, and what was done in the dark was brought to the light. Choosing to give my girlfriend some parts of me, but not all of me, hide other parts of me, it all got brought to the light, and it ended in defeats. It ended in being the darkest, most depressing, suicidal thoughts, you name it, just the worst part of my life. Now, praise God, like I just told you, we're celebrating our 10-year wedding anniversary next week. And all I can tell you, because I can't go through that whole story, that's going to that's gonna have to be, be another day, is that it is only God, only God, while we are still together, stronger than ever, celebrating our 10-year next week. Jerry, I love you. Thank you so much for putting up with me. But the wages of sin is death. Honoring God with some of us, not all of us, ends in defeat. And let's take a look at this in Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16, starting at verse 4, it says this. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorik, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you a, a thousand and one hundred pieces of silver. Now, Samson is going to lie to Delilah a few times and get out of it. But eventually he's going to give in and tell Delilah where he gets his strength from. He's going to fall asleep in her lap. Delilah's going to take some scissors of some sort, cut his hair. There goes his Nazarite vow. There goes his strength. The Philistines are going to rush in. They're going to take him. They're going to dodge out his eyeballs. He goes blind. They're going to bind him in chains and take him away. Samson has reached his ultimate failure. As some people like to say, it has hit the fan for Samson at this point. If we could pause right now and take an inventory of our life. Now, I, I, I don't want any of us to dwell in the past, but I know that I had an ultimate failure moment. And if we're honest with ourselves, you might have that moment as well. That moment where you just fall flat on your face, and you know that you messed up. You know that you have failed greatly. This is where Samson's at. This is where Samson's at. My question is, what is it that still haunts you today? What scars, what wounds are you still carrying around with you today from that ultimate failure moment in the past? It's, it's, it's important for us not to neglect it, not to sweep it under the rug. It's important for us to identify what it is that we are still holding on from the past. Samson is going to go and spend the rest of his days in some cruel dungeon, in total despair, total hopelessness. But this is going to take place. Let's look at Judges chapter 16, verse 22. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. 
This is huge. Now, to this day, I always thought about this, and it has boggled my mind why the enemies, the Philistines, knowing where Samson's strength comes from, seeing what this guy can do with his strength, why did they just not keep his head shaved every single day, right? Like, if I'm the Philistines, then Samson is going to have my haircut. I'm going to go in there every day with that razor, no stubble, no nothing. I'm like, man, you're having a shaved head, Samson. But they didn't do that. So here it is, this beautiful piece of scripture saying, but the hair of his head began to grow again. Now, why is this important? Why is this beautiful? You might be asking yourself. This tells us something. This tells us something about how God feels towards Samson. Now, at this moment in time, I can only imagine how Samson felt about himself. And you might have been there before also. In this moment in time, Samson is blind. This person who was used to save the nation of Israel who was used to defeat single-handedly a thousand people, this man is now blind, is now weak, is now a slave. But this tells us how God feels towards Samson. It says, it's like God is saying, Samson, I know you messed up, but I haven't left you yet. I know you messed up, Samson. I know that you didn't keep this vow. And I know that it started a long time ago, really. But I know that you messed up. But guess what, Samson? Your hair is starting to grow back. I haven't left you yet. And that's something that we need to know. Wherever you are at right now, however you feel about your past right now, what you have done, what has been done to you, you need to know that God has not left you yet. He hasn't. God has not left you yet. And this is what God is saying about your past. He has not left you yet. And I'll be concluding here. The Philistines are going to go on and and throw this big party to honor their pagan God and rejoice. And they're going to say, our God has given us Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And then they're going to say, call out Samson and let's mock him. Let's have him perform for us. And you know, after all of Samson's failure, again, I can only imagine how Samson felt at this time. You know, Samson could have said, you know what? My past does define me. I mean, hello, look where I'm at. My past does define me. I am a failure. I am weak. I am a sinner. I am no good, especially not to God. Maybe you said that. Maybe you're feeling that right now. But that is not where your story has to end. They call out Samson. And Samson decides, I'm not sure how, but Samson comes to a point where he makes a decision that that my story is not going to end here. My past is not going to define me. Let's look at Judges chapter 16, starting at verse 26. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. 
Then Samson called to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, oh God, that I may be, be avenged on the Philistines for my two wives. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Now, Samson's life here is not to be glorified by any way imaginable. His life is not to be glorified. It's sad to think, really, of what Samson's life could have been if he didn't allow himself to continually be destructed by sin. You know, Samson was the great conqueror that never fully allowed himself to be conquered by God. However, the story of Samson's life is a beautiful story for you and me. It is a beautiful story for us. Because although Samson sinned greatly, he was not defined by his past. Samson's life could have been defined, like we said before, as a life that never reached its full potential, that, 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 that uh, was a failure, that was a sinner. Maybe you feel like that, just that that's what your life has been defined today, but it doesn't have to end there. In fact, Samson is going to be defined in Scripture as going down in the great hall of faith. You might be asking, what is that? Well, if you turn with me to the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, it's going to mention these mighty men and women of God. And we consider it today known as the great hall of faith. And Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 says this. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. Samson, who, again, his life is not to be glorified, but he did not allow himself to be defined by his path. Samson is going to go down in history in the same sentence as King David and the prophet Samuel, maybe two of the mightiest men of God ever. That's how he's going to be remembered. And how is that possible? This is why. And this is the beautiful gospel message for you and me today. That although Samson had all this sin, although he failed greatly, God said, I haven't left you yet, Samson. And all it took for Samson was to turn his heart back to God. To have a moment, to have a humbling moment where he said, God, I'm turning my heart back to you. I am crying out to you right now. And that's all it took. And now he goes down in history in the same sentence as King David and Samuel in the great hall of faith. Our sin in our past today is no match to God's love and his grace. 1 John 3.20 says this, 
For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. There's so many times in life where we think about what we did, when we think about what was done for us, and here we are trying to live this changed life, right? Trying to be this new creation, trying to grow closer to God, trying to be a better person, a better spouse, a better parent, a better friend. And we feel like we're just carrying around this dead weight. That is your heart condemning you. You need to know by faith right now that God is greater than your heart. His love, his grace far outweighs any sin you've ever done in your whole life. That's a beautiful gospel message that we have today. And this is where our story doesn't have to end like Samson's. This is where we can have our moment to where despite what our past looks like, all we have to do is have a humbling moment where we cry out to God, where we repent and say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Forgive me my sins. I repent. I change my mind. I change my heart. I change my ways. And I want to walk towards you. And guess what? Because of what Jesus did for you and me on the cross, that's all it takes. It doesn't take a perfect Sunday service record. It doesn't take memorizing the whole scripture. It doesn't take being a perfect Christian. All it takes is believing that Jesus paid it all. That Jesus paid it all. When we choose to have that moment and turn our hearts back to God, not only does he not judge us according to our past, but he doesn't want our story to stop there. That's where he wants us to be healed from our past. That's where he turns ashes into beauty. That's where he uses your past as your testimony to encourage others. That's where we get to live a changed life, be a changed person, be a changed church, and not be defined by our past anymore. At this time, at this, if this message has resonated in your heart in any way, if you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what, my past still haunts me to this day. There's still some wounds, some scars that I'm still carrying around with me today. We're going to have a moment of worship. And as the worship team is playing, I just want to encourage you during that time, have your Samson moment where we are going to turn our hearts back to God. We're going to turn our hearts back to God during this next worship time. And then we're going to say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Forgive me my sins. I repent. I ask for you to heal me so that I can live that changed life and be that new creation you call me to be. Your past does not have to define who you are anymore because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Inspire Churches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.